I'm Tony Tardio. Hello and welcome to Darren Hinch's That's Life podcast. A podcast where we talk about the big stories of the past, the big stories of today, through the prism of Hinch's six decades in the media. On today's episode, Australia after the lockdown. How will Australia change post-COVID-19? And how will work from home change the CBD and small business? Darren Hinch, welcome to the podcast again. Mr Tardio, good to be here again. Let's go. Uh, Today we want to talk about Mm COVID-19, coronavirus, the effects it's going to have on Australia and the world. Big, big, big question I know. Let's start with Australia. Well, okay, I think we should deal with Australia. Um, Look, Australians in general behaved incredibly well during... um, COVID nineteen, we, we we stuck to the rules. Uh, I, w- I went I, I went like most people shut down for about ten weeks, eleven weeks, twelve weeks. Um, I'd go out every day for some exercise, but I noticed people out on the tan in Melbourne were being pretty pretty disciplined. You know, walk, walking or running in twos, not packs. Uh, most cyclists weren't going in packs like they used to. But the big issues about post post coronavirus. It's going to have more of an effect for a long, long time, maybe permanently, on on our cities especially. And that is this. People who were ordered to work from home and threatened with fines if they didn't work from home, a lot of them got into the habit of um, being happy working from home. And I think bosses finally realise that when you say you're working from home, you're actually working. You know, it, pre-virus, you said, oh, I want to work from home. They think, oh, you're just goofing off. So they didn't trust you. But they realised that this happened, that people actually were getting disciplined, were working from home. Um, and that leads to the money men in a big company thinking, or even this middle-sized company, why do I need to pay 100000 a year rent for an office block when we could downsize to about twenty five grand and have the staff come in once a week for a meeting or better still don't have offices at all and rent space for meetings every week or two. Um, and so those sorts of spin-offs. And people say, I want to work from home because it saves them money, saves them travel time, gives them more time at home maybe to work. You know, some people do an hour each way. Some people do 45 minutes each way. Cut that out of your working time and you can work from home. I heard the other day that real estate agents are finding more and more people looking for houses that have a, a rumpus room or a, an extra room that can be used as a study and can be used as an office. And so people are looking ahead for that sort of thing. Uh, and I think it's going to affect going to affect the CBD quite substantially because people will suddenly say, we don't need all this office space anymore. Well, I remember when it was a big thing to a satellite television. You know, you, you got the satellite to interview somebody from overseas. Now, everyone's Zooming. You know, you yeah. go on your computer there, you can talk to the next door neighbour or do whatever yeah, you well, want. I, on, I, on I, I, I sit here with my laptop propped up on about six or seven books and stare at the camera and uh, do Skype for, for sunrise. And uh, that's going to air on television live. all around Australia yeah. from your from uh, my kitchen, living room. kitchen yeah. basically. Sam <laughs> yeah. Armitage said, gee, I know every, every piece of your kitchen now, Darren. Now, do you set up your kitchen so everything's right? No, I, 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 move, I, take, I move stuff around. Like I, I'll take the Dyson... 
heater down so it doesn't look like I'm product placing, you see, I, I'm, and I'll move that around. So, What do you think that's going to do, though, uh, if you don't go to, uh, you know, physically see your colleagues, uh, you know, be with them, touch them? How does that change society? Look, I think for, for certain jobs like radio, television, newspapers, it is, it is bad because you know and I know you bounce off your colleagues. You know, I might say, oh, I might do, might do a piece, an interview on such and such. And some people say, well, Joe Blow's the best man to get for that. And you don't realise how much you feed off each other and, you, and how much you um, almost inspire each other. So that will be a big change. In some jobs, I imagine, not being an accountant, maybe you can do it all from home and, and, and it won't make much difference. But I think the uh, the involvement with people and the, you know, the, 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 the pressing the flesh is very important. But the other thing, another big change which um, worries me, I'll give you a personal example in a minute, but you own a coffee shop in Collins Street, okay, or, or Martin Place, and maybe 10,000 people walk past your shop every day and you sell... 200 coffees. I'm making these figures up, okay? Suddenly, only 2,000 people are walking past your shop every day and you're only selling 50 coffees. coffees. Or you own the, the sandwich shop next door and every day, you know, around lunchtime, people are coming there and they're going to get a chicken wrap and you're going to sell 100 of them. And suddenly you find only 20 people are coming in to buy chicken wraps because A, they're either working from home or B, they're used to being at home and got used to feeding themselves and think, oh, I can save a bit of money this week and, and make my own sandwich and take it to work. So those little spin-offs. Now, I'll give you a personal example. Uh, every Saturday, for more years than I can remember, I diligently get my work shirts and I take them up to Turak and I drop them off at my dry cleaner and I go and have lunch at Romeo's and then I pick my last week's shirts up and go home. I went up there recently. It was my first visit to the dry cleaners in 10 weeks. Now, it's only, it's only 50, 60 bucks a week to them, but that's 10 weeks of 60 bucks they're not getting. Mm, and they're absolutely. still paying the same rent, usually. Well, abs- absolutely. And, and, of course, you know, you don't have to dress up to stay home and work. Yeah. I mean, you can do your stuff on Channel 7. No one knows what whether you're wearing pants or not wearing well, pants. Well, actually, I, I do. I'm one of those people who actually dresses for the occasion. The idea is sitting there. And I saw somebody on, 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 on a Zoom shot doing a conference. And he's doing television, and he and they just find it a wide zoom, and you see him sitting there in his underpants, <laughs> yeah. you know, which is a bit silly. Um, I know people like that, but y- y- your point is right. I mean, so suddenly women don't need to have their business suits cleaned as often, dry cleaned as often, or men don't need to have their, their suits cleaned as often because you, if you're not on camera, you can work at home, <coughs> excuse me, in your trackies, and, uh, and people do. The other thing is food. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're sitting at home working all day, uh, will you cook? Will you will you go out then, or will you be less likely to go less out likely, because you feel you know, in the a early bit intimidated? Days, yeah, going as out. the restrictions started to lift and restaurants were allowed to have twenty people there, right? My my one of my favourites is the is the Amber Room at the, at the Royce Hotel, and uh, I was getting there in the early weeks of it coming back, uh, being lifted, and there's only like six or seven people in there because people get out of the habit. You know, I think two things: one, you get out of the habit, but b, you may start thinking. Geez, I spent a lot of money in restaurants. Maybe I don't need to do that as much anymore. Maybe I stay at home and invite a couple of friends over because we got out of the habit of, of dining at home with friends and restaurants became the be-all and end-all. So, and and that, that's, 
some of the places that closed down won't reopen, I'm sure. It, it looks like it's going to be quite a, a long time before we're able to get on international aeroplanes yeah. and fly around. I think it'll be next year. You think it'll be that mm. early, do I th- you? I, th- I, think we'll be, I think we'll be back to, to, to New Zealand um, later, very late in the year. I see that it's been floated by bureaucrats here, obviously bureaucrats who said the first open flight when the bubble burst for New Zealand and Australia should be between Canberra and Wellington. Yes. How bleeping stupid. Surely it should be between Melbourne and Sydney and Auckland with the first flight. I mean, only a bureaucrat could say the first flight should be between Canberra and Wellington. So what, you, you fly to Canberra from Sydney or Melbourne and, so and you fly to, to Wellington. New Zealand. Well, they're talking about these sort of bubble things because the other place was Greece because Greece has got very low numbers mm-hmm. and Greece is trying to get tourism back again and they're looking at countries like Australia where we have low numbers. So it'll be like a little tunnel going from country to country that have low numbers. That yeah. seems to be the early stages of well, international I, I just heard the other day talk about sweet and sour, good news, bad news. A friend's uh, American partner has just got her Australian citizenship, right? And so she's thrilled. She's now an Australian citizen. But it ha- got it just as the virus struck and the sh- shutdowns happened. She has elderly parents, both with Parkinson's, in America. She can't go home. She can't visit them. And she may not be able to visit them until next year. Uh, so those sorts of spin-offs. And I know there are compassionate grounds you can get sometimes get leave, but it's not, not easy, I'm told. But so, I mean, there's one story claiming that half of the small businesses that have closed down in the US won't reopen. Um, and our, our, I think our unemployment figures are probably uh, lower than, seem to be lower than they really are because, I mean, we... we, we the genuine unemployment figure is probably about 15 20%, I would suspect. Well, with unemployment being that high, the effect on the economy is going to be enormous, which isn't really being felt now, but no. it will be felt at well, some stage been, in well, the future. We, are, we, we had the, uh, the, the Treasurer saying a while ago that we are in recession because the next quarter is going to be obviously worse than the March quarter, so the June quarter is going to be... We know it's going to be worse, so I think it is wise to flag the recession... Um, not quite the recession we had to have, as Keating would say, but uh, the recession that was unavoidable. Um. Uh, shopping, Darren. Now, you know, everybody has to eat, so they've got to go to, well, used to go to a supermarket. Now, what do you do? Uh, well, I'm, I, I, it didn't affect me because I, uh, I shop online. Uh, ever since I was under house arrest and had to, uh, so that's something years ago, I do all my shopping online, and I've been very lucky that... Woolworths, um, the only trigger that I saw early in the, in the time was that maybe instead of it arriving next day or two days down the track, you may have to book in four days down the track. But uh, it very quickly came back to next day service from Woolworths. So um, once you've done that once or a couple of times... Yeah. Uh, you stick to it. I mean, because believe it or not, the myth that, oh, they'll, they'll pass off all their old... They'll pass off all their old um, uh, fruit and vegetables. I've never found, only once in about six years have I received uh, something as a bag of lemons which wasn't up to standard and they replaced it immediately. So that's a myth about they, they trade it all off. I've, I've found it um, a good service. Now, people will, I think people will start more and more shopping at home, but not only supermarkets, you'll find, I'm finding, so is the post office finding, the, the amount of packages going out. I put something up on Facebook of it. My local postie has suddenly got a trolley, you know, six feet tall, these carrying around to one apartment building because 
people have started shopping online and getting used to it and going to, I go to I mean recently I went to David Jones online and I, I do the Woolworths online I'm sure more and more people will be doing their, their Dan Murphys and their booze online I would suspect so what happens to shopping centres in the last 50, 60 years, people like Frank Lowy have made a lot of money building humongous shopping centres. I think very smartly got out of it too, just not too long ago. So what's the future there? Uh, Is I there think, a future I, I bleak. There? I mean, we know, we know that in the United States, if you travel there, and I was there quite a lot in the last couple of years, um, the number of shopping malls that are empty in the US, and that was before... We had a crisis of this magnitude. Now, with this a magnitude like this, and people say, "Oh, it's, it, yeah, I'd rather shop at home." And and people, some people are still scared of getting the virus if they go into crowded areas. And shopping centres are by nature more crowded than open air. So uh, it, it, I, think it's, I think it's bleak. A lot of things going to change. Thank goodness the mwah, mwah, air kiss is probably gone. Um, <laughs> well, I a bit of hugging too wasn't yeah, a bad thing. I, yeah, well, I'm there. hoping the, hug, the hugs are starting will come back. Um, the um, uh, But handshaking will be less, I think. Uh, I think the, the Indian hands together, bow your head, will be more Well, more you, you live in an apartment where you have to push a button to go mm-hmm. in the lift. Now, do you use your finger to do that? How do you do that? Uh, no, I, I actually, um, with the, throughout the whole virus, we had a limit of only two people in the lift at any time. And, and being vulnerable, I'd often let people go until the lift became vacant, I could travel by myself. But um, I actually uh, open, uh, push the lift button with my automatic door opener little button and I just take that out of my pocket and push it like that. Um, and because I had a transplant, I've, for years I've had uh, um, hand sanitizer scattered around my house and I, I use it automatically. So the idea of having sanitizer on, on a bench top it wasn't it wasn't new to me. It wasn't a novelty, and so cause well, I, I it, it was new new to me. I, I had never used a hand sanitizer until we got to this situation, and now I, I sort of I find myself every half hour or every hour yeah. just getting a bit of sanitizer. Well, when I come back into the building, I, I use it anyway because uh, I I may have touched a door handle or something like that. Um, but I, I was just I said by nature because I because I'm my immune system is medically low because it has to be so I don't have my transplant rejected so it's medically pulled down so I'm and at my age I'm in two I'm the top 4% or was the top 4% of people Um, I think we're going to be with the fear not such a fear but the showing respect it's a weird word for the coronavirus for years to come I think people are far more aware now of of the threats to their health uh, and how vulnerable they can be and so I think people will be taking a bit more time washing your hands, sanitising your hands, etc., etc. Now, what does it do to the world, Darren? You know, you've got countries like China where it all started, but they seem to have been able to control what's yeah. happening. You've got a country like the United States, which has it's caused disarray. Yeah, and, well, apart from it's the the the, the flood of uh, of um, demonstrations after the. Uh, the police killing of George Floyd. Apart from that, they before that they had a, more than a hundred thousand deaths. I mean, my cherished New York was one of the worst hit places in the world. Um, I think many countries things will change probably forever. Um, I, I'm surprised to read recently that uh, cruise ship bookings 
uh, are up and going through the roof. I would have thought <laughs> the last place after the Ruby Princess, the last place people would want it to be would be on a cruise. They're like an incubation on. crucible for uh, you know viruses. Yeah, like yeah. That, well, I, I refer, refer to um, uh, planes as petri dishes with wings, um, <laughs> but they've been superseded by cruise ships because there you are. You know, it's. The social distancing didn't, didn't seem to happen at all. How do you think all this will play out with uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden and the presidential election? Because this, this is all part of the mix. It is all part of the mix. It, 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 I mean, it could go for Bar- Trump could go either way. I mean, he certainly has lost the black and Hispanic vote uh, over his behaviour through this. Uh, I'm surprised how many... Uh, how many... Um, uh, evangelical... Priests and pa- p- p- parsons attacked him over his stunts with the, you know, clearing the streets for the coppers and the tear gas of protesters, so he could go and wave a Bible outside a uh, outside a, uh, a church. Uh, but some of his, his some of his uh, loyal core of voters will like his law and order uh, pitch. When he says, "I'm the," he said once, "I'm the president for law and order." That will go down well with some. He's branching the Bible, even though I doubt he ever opened it or has ever read it. I mean, well, he was asked once what his favourite passage was. He ducked it. <laughs> he ducked it. Yeah. And the clear impression was he'd never read the Bible. Yeah, he, well, he hasn't. I mean, I, I, I liked a Joe Biden quote once when he said, I saw the president waving the Bible. I wish he'd open it. <laughs> and when you saw him outside the church alone, did that, that John Wayne walk, supposedly, having cleared all the streets with the coppers, he looked like it was, it was a hot potato. He didn't know how to handle it. He was turning it around and turning it upside down like, what is this? Is the, this the right book? We, the, the, the relationship between he and Melania, oh. his wife, is also very interesting. Well, did you, the see the part, well, did you see the part where at one stage on another church visit, not, he said, smile, told her to smile, and you saw a nanosecond of a grimace. It was, <laughs> wasn't a smile. He was grinning away there, looking around, and you saw this little, her mouth just twitched a little bit, yes. which would barely be called a, a grimace. But so, uh, Some months ago, he was holding her hand, and uh, the camera was focused on the two hands being held together, and she pulled her hand away. Well, months and months before all this happened, she slapped his hand away once. And that was a, that was televised. And I tell you what, when, when he carks it, she's got a hell of a book to write. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Well, so, you know, the, the, the virus is going to affect uh, the, the, the power of countries and who's got the power. The economic power. I mean, China is, is, is flexing its muscle all it possibly can now. More than I think a lot of people thought that they would. Yes, I agree with that. I mean, Paul Keating was always saying, you know, China is not an imperial power. Uh, we should give China room because it is a, a power growing. But it's not a power that's going to dominate, want to dominate outside of its own sphere. I remember going back decades now, decades and decades. I don't know who the original quote was, but it stuck in my head. And it went along the line, something like, and this is way back before power, before China became this economic power. And it went along the line, something like, um, beware the tiger, uh, sleeping, meaning in China, for when it wakes, the world will hear its roar. And when you think you've got one and a half billion people, you know, the biggest number of people in the world, and they have created with the booming economies that they've had, suddenly they've, t- they've taken more people out of poverty in China, which was one of the most poverty-stricken countries in the world, and they have boomed. They've got, probably got more Chinese millionaires now than you have in any other country in the world, I would suspect. With a weird uh, 
capitalist sort of system within a communist system. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, now, you did some famous broadcasts from China we some did. years ago. Yeah, we did. We were actually, it was 1983. And what was the China like well, it was, I mean, back then? Well, everybody at 3RW said you thought I was mad trying to get there. And we were, they were humouring me, saying, oh, yes, Darren. I said, we've got to go to Canberra to get our visas. And, oh, yes, Darren. I could almost tap me on the head, right? And we got there. And people couldn't believe we, we, 3AW was the first ever broadcast to the Western world live from Beijing. And then we went and did another one out of Shanghai. And, uh, and that, was, that was nearly 40, 40 years ago. And, and it was verboten, you know, and, and people couldn't believe it. And I, I wasn't spinning off from our topic, but I remember one comment from the Chinese experts, our, our, our minders and our whatever, um, they couldn't believe we were broadcasting live to Melbourne and taking calls from listeners. And they, they sort of hinted at, but how do you do that? I mean, how, how do you know the questions? What they really meant was, how do you know the official answers? Mm, mm, because mm. you're taking questions that, that they would have to have cleared by the government as to what you actually could, could and could not say. Well, we're, we're talking, the, that's 40 years, 40 years 40 ago. 40 years ago. Um, it won the international China award. Had to, it won the award, and the uh, I think it's up, it's up somewhere in the somewhere in my, my trophy list. Of, an international radio radio broadcast. Yeah, yeah, from uh, out of New, we got we got it in New York. Now you couldn't just go there with the equipment and broadcast. You would have had to get Chinese government uh, permission. permission. Oh yeah, but we did. But, well, the worst thing was uh, there was Darren James was my sound man, and he. Uh, had his trusty Nagra with him, big, huge, about the size of a suitcase, a recorder. And we get to Radio Beijing, which is a massive skyscraper. And we get there and we arrive at it's um, five or six o'clock in the morning because of the time difference with, uh, with, with Melbourne. And we get there and our minder, the key wouldn't work in the studio door. And I looked there and I said to Darren, I said, I'm going to sit down on the floor. I'm going to sleep for 15 minutes. And when I wake up, if you haven't found a different key, I'll kick the bleeping <laughs> door in myself. And by the time I woke up, they'd found a key and we got in. But the studio we worked in was bigger than 10 times, 10 times the size of a 3AW studio. It was all wood paneled walls and it was like a dance hall, you know. And, it was a, and they had like dozens of these studios all, all, over, all over this massive building. And did they follow, you know, I'm imagining China back then was a bit like North Korea is now. Mm. Did they follow you everywhere you went? Did no, they, they escorted monitor? us. They escorted us everywhere we went. They, they didn't follow, they were there. They, we had obviously Chinese government people were, were drivers, we drove drivers everywhere. I know I was trying to see some hidden underground thing I'd heard of and they just pretended. There's an underground know. city, which yeah, I've been they, to. Yeah, they yes. didn't. Um, they didn't want me to know anything about that. And right. did you have access to high-ranking Chinese? Oh government yes, we officials? did. We interviewed them, and they and they were, they were amazed that we were there. And then when we finished, my boss Brian White said, "Oh, um, we've done Beijing. It was brilliant." He said, "Now come home." I said, "We can't. We've promised the Chinese we'll broadcast out of Shanghai." Um, and he said, well, I just come home. I said, I can't do that. You know, I mean, I, 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 they probably wouldn't have let me on a plane anyway, but, uh, but that was that. While we were there, that was when Australia won the America's Cup. And, uh, yeah, because I remember listening, watching it on television, listening to it. I was oh, like, no, I'm watching, watching it. I had my, Jackie was holding the, 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 the earpiece to the television so I could hear it. 
Right, so you were in China when uh, uh, Australia too went past that finish yes, line. Yes, and we're listening wow. to it in our hotel uh, on the phone, and because I couldn't see, well, no, it wasn't being broadcast. So, uh, and anybody I went up to who looked like wearing American pants or something, I'd tap them on the shoulder and say, "Hey, guess what? You just lost the America's <laughs> Cup, just in case." But anyway, so back to back to our topic of uh, post coronavirus. Uh, we will have restrictions. For yonks, uh, so like, you you don't think there's going to be a vaccine? You don't think there's going to? I, be not until ne- not until next year, and uh, even then, uh, look, I'm hoping like hell they have, yeah. but I'm uh, uh, I don't know. I saw a poll saying that 40 percent of Republicans said they wouldn't take a vaccine. So so we we're going to have I think we're going to have restrictions on like if you're flying from a certain country, we may smack them in again. Say there's an outbreak somewhere. So you say, okay, if you've been in um, uh, Egypt in the last three months, if you fly into Australia, you must go into quarantine for 14 days. Because the Australia New Zealand, the early quarantine brought in, I think saved us a lot. Now, we saw the, the other different approaches around the world and some of the countries you have mentioned. Sweden deliberately did not go into lockdown. You saw on the nightly news, Swedish people out there eating, drinking, and boasting that Norway and Denmark did go next. Their neighbours went into, into lockdown. Sweden didn't, and they boasted for months. And yet, only a few weeks ago, you had the man who orchestrated that system admitting he got it wrong because Sweden has now had massive amounts of deaths from it. So the idea of, and I know some Australians believe the same thing and some Americans do, uh, the lockdown was pointless. It wasn't. I mean, what we had here uh, was, 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 was what we had to have. That's why I oppose strongly, and I you did too, the idea of allowing protests around Australia and cities like Sydney and Melbourne, I think were wrong. And, and I would have, I, I argued about that and I would have got publicly and on Twitter, I would have felt the same way whether it's Black Lives Matter or it was a rally of Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or the local bowling club. It was purely a health issue. Um, if, you, if you weren't allowed to do it one day, you shouldn't be able to do it the next. I mean, you shouldn't be able to go get threatened with a $10,000 fine if you go to the office with 10 mates and yet you could go to a rally with 10,000, 20,000 people. Well, okay. it's the hypocrisy of the whole situation, which, which I think cuts deeply into people because there's a lot of people who had loved ones die mm. and only 10, they had to pick who the 10 people would be that would go to the funeral. Yeah. And on the same day, there's, a, there's, there's big rallies being held yeah. where the government's saying, well, we're not going to find anybody because it would be too anti- antagonistic to find yeah. people. Yeah. Well, a That's friend, crazy. A friend, a friend, a friend of mine, a journo friend of mine, uh, Janine Perrett, she uh, gave the eulogy at a friend's funeral, a journo's friend's funeral, uh, uh, and the same week that the, these protests were being held. And I said, she said it was just a shame that so few people could be there. I said, well, you should have called it a protest instead of a funeral and let 20,000 people turn up. And that's the hypocrisy of it. And what angers people is that we all, we've all taken the, you know, taken the hit. You know? And some people have not been able to have, have loved ones farewell the way they want to. And some people have had to cancel or postpone their weddings. And I'm looking at all the riots over the weeks with no social distancing in the United States. I'm sure there'll be a second. I mean, the first wave isn't over there yet and I've had more than 100,000 deaths I think America is is almost a mozza to have it happen again the World Health Organization mm. uh, Trump has cut funding to the World Health Organization 
do you think that's the right thing to do? Do you think it's run correctly? Do you think it's dominated by China, which uh, is what Trump No, says? you made some good points. I think Americans are wrong to cut funding to it. Uh, I think they reacted too slowly. I mean, a lot of other people called it a pandemic before the WHO did. And I think in the early weeks of it, they probably were listening to the Chinese more than they probably should have. Uh, but in general, around the world, the WHO does a, a fairly good job. I would think, and I'd hate to see it, see it, see it collapse. But I mean, they were slow to, to call it a pandemic. And, uh, and and I mean, Trump said he called it a pandemic. He did not. He, boo- he poo-pooed it for, for months. And that's why they, the problem the Americans have, Americans have had. Um, one good thing out of all this, and you'd appreciate this being at 3AW, is that I think hot desking has gone forever. You know, and uh, I, I've said... I'd left 3AW by the time hot desking came in. I think it's one of the worst um, business decisions any company can make. Uh, the fact you're not allowed to have a family photo on your desk, the fact you're not allowed, you must pack your gear up every night and put it in a closet and come back and find whatever desk you can next day. Uh, I think this, the umpteen reasons why you would, I'd, I'd have quit if they'd forced me to hot desk. What it makes people feel like, I think, is this is not a long term. <laughs> Uh, career I've got here because yeah. I'm locking it up every day. I could be out of here uh, yeah, at a minute's empty notice. Into your locker to, tonight, you know. Don't have to, and, and you can't put any bits of. I, I mean, when I when AW and I was there, and they moved from uh, uh, from South Melbourne to the Age Building in the city. Uh, in this you won't believe this, but this is the order I um, I uh, I asked for. I said I want my own office. I want a car park. And number three, let's talk money. Because having an office was more was so important. And if you're in the advertising business, uh, as a sales rep, it sounds awful, but I, and I'm not a sales rep, but I imagine a sales rep doesn't want another sales rep was working on commission to hear how he operates and, and what he's offering. I mean, surely a sales rep wants to act and work pretty pretty uh, pretty much on a, a solo basis. So I just it didn't it, it I don't think it ever worked and and, and I, you just feel you don't feel you're part of a team somehow. The good thing you had too, Darren, is you had a nap room where you could go and sleep. I had two offices, yes. I had <laughs> I had my, my own office and next door was another an empty office which I had a uh, um, a sofa bed put into. And every afternoon after I finished writing my opening editorial at uh, twenty to four like clockwork, I'd tap my producer on the shoulder, I'd say, back in 15, and I'd go and sleep from 20 to 4 till 3 minutes to 4. And uh, a lot of my producers said, how do you do that? Because the example they used was that um, I'm walking into my nap room and uh, I'd say to Shannon Reid, my producer, I said, look, I I really want to get an answer to that question from Prime Minister Gillard I, I need it for four o'clock. And she'd say, okay. And I'd say, good night, and I'd go and lie down and go to sleep. And as I walked out of the nap room, I'd say, what did Gillard say? And they couldn't believe that, you know, the, 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 th- the last thought you had in your head before you went to sleep was the first <laughs> thought that comes back. She'd shake her head at it, you know. <laughs> so, but it was, but that, that's so hot desking, I think, is gone for good, and I think that's a great idea. Uh, as I said before, I, I think... Um, Zoom conferences will become more of a norm. I notice that their Zoom's number of calls in the last year has gone up like from 10 million to 100 million. Something like, it's just extraordinary. And people are used to working like that and, and, the, and bosses are realising it can work. 
Darren, what do you say to this argument? Some people have been saying that the, the pain that has been inflicted on the economy, on mental health, on jobs, on all that sort of thing, is worse than it would have been had we just done nothing and people who uh, uh, get the virus, they, they, they either recover or they die. Most people were old anyway who got the vi- who, who died. What do you say to that argument? That well, we bullshit. Because then we have a United States of America number. How many people would die, we don't know. The reason our, our, our death rate has been so low is because we took precautions. New Zealand took precautions. Now, I also reject the argument about old people as if they're expendable. Say, well, old people, some of them would have, um, you know, they, got, they, they were old anyway. They get sick anyway. Okay, you, you might be 80, right? And you may have an illness, but you may live till 90. Be 80 and you get coronavirus and you're dead within four weeks. Now, you're in a nursing home. You might, you're 85. You could live till 95. But suddenly somebody infects you with a coronavirus and you die. So that, that's immaterial. And not everybody who died is, is, is over 70 or 80. And, and this, this idea like old people are expendable, I've said this many times before about, you know, about politicians and old people. I used to say the only difference between old people and us is they got there first. Uh, now I am, for a while there, I was a politician and an old person, so I didn't know if I could say it anymore. But that, that I think it's a, a dreadful argument saying well, well, they're old. Well, these are some of the issues countries have been grappling with. I yeah, mean, I do we go down this road or that road? Which is the one that's going to cause less less damage? Because there's damage on both sides. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I, mean, we, I agree with you. We, we may not have a surplus in Australia again from last year when it was announced. Well, we, may, we may have saddled future generations with a huge debt. Well, yeah, well, they're saying we may have um, uh, no surplus till 2036, right? Now, it was only a, a year ago that, um, and they were allowed to do this, that, that Frydenberg and Morrison boasted, we're back in surplus. And people said, oh, we're not yet. Well, everybody predicted the next year, and the prediction was by the next year we would be. And, of course, nobody could have predicted that we'd have uh, COVID-19 and uh, and it would just destroy everything. I mean, the amount of money that the government has had to throw uh, at it to try and salvage the economy, get some money back in the economy, has been you know, hundreds of billions of dollars. So, and yes, generations may have to deal with all this, but, I mean, it's certainly, um, let me think... Um, I, I probably won't be alive when we get back into the surplus. How do you think, Darren, the, the COVID-19 issue will, will change what people eat? Well, it'll change people's lives. I think people, I think permanently, some, some of us, uh, will ch- change their lives, not only eating. Uh, I found living alone that uh, in the 10 or 12 weeks, uh, I joke because I was used to it because I had five months of it once under house arrest, but in 10, 10, 10 or a few weeks uh, more, you end up... Um, Spending more time reflecting, you, you're more reflective, you're more, some people read more, people watch more movies. I mean, Netflix has gone through the roof. Maybe people have the habit of doing that. Uh, I think people are exercising more. I saw more dogs out on the, in the park than I've ever seen in my life before. But when it comes to food, I think more people have been cooking at home out of, out of uh, desire and also uh, necessity. Uh, I've never seen so much bread on uh, pictures of loaves of bread on uh, on Facebook and uh, etc. Um, and I think people may get into that habit of eating more healthily. I know I'm told, uh, I'm not one of them, I'm told a lot of people put on weight while they were uh, under lockdown because they had more time at home and more time to snack. Uh, I suppose that's there. Um, the other interesting thing is, well, people who are weekend drinkers who 
during lockdown started drinking a little bit more and a bit more on more occasions, will they have the discipline to go back to weekend drinking or have they got to the habit of saying, I'll have a glass of wine at six o'clock or five o'clock or whatever? So that'll change. I think I, I, I suspect people will, will, will keep cooking more for themselves than they have uh, or um, I prided myself on only having one takeaway take meal in that whole period. Um, a lot of people were doing it every two or three days. So will they stick to that? Will, will takeaway food become the norm? But I think, as I said before, people will not eat out at restaurants as much as they did. Darren, you're famous for your beard. You're famous for uh, uh, going to jail. Uh, you're famous for the liver transplant, but you're also famous for one other thing, the long lunch. <laughs> is, that, is that ended? Is that yeah, over? That, that has ended. Well, that, end, that ended when the drinking ended, actually. Um, uh, ironically, in recent times, uh, since they've reopened uh, restaurants to a degree, um, I, um, I've often, okay, once a week, go across the road with my laptop and, and lunch alone with my laptop. But the, yeah, the long lunch, we used to joke about it going from, we used to say it would go, it was banker's hours, it would go from 1 till 2, which is 1pm <laughs> till 2am on a Friday, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, they were, they were, there were some pretty long sessions there in various various restaurants. Uh, yeah, it's, it's obvious we're entering into a, a totally different world, yeah. uh, COVID-19, pre and post. Uh, Darren Hinch, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, today. Dave.